Hello and welcome to the New Ears Podcast, an auditory exploration of the art of the album. I'm your host, Jonathan Humphrey. In this episode, we will be discussing the Cloud Dead album, Tin. Cloud Dead was made up of Adam Doswan Drucker, Yoni Y. Wolf, and David Odd-Nosed Don Madsen. Tin was released on March 16th, 2004, and was the last album the three would record as Cloud Dead although they would collaborate again in the future amongst their many projects. Joining me for our discussion today is New Year's regular Sarah Mulrow. And we had a lot to say about this album, so let's jump to that conversation now. As good as I'll ever be. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I don't know if you have anything you want to recommend or whatever before we start talking about the album, but if you did. I do. It's been a minute since it's been out now, but you and I haven't talked via officially. Obviously, you and I talk every day, but we haven't officially talked via the podcast realms in quite a while now. But last spring... There was a project that came out called The Mafra Tapes by Miranda Lambert and some collaborators, Jack Ingram and John Randall. And this is one of the best like country-ish things. I use that term lightly because I feel like we could get on a whole thing about what's country and what's not country and how that's spiraled out of control like fancy like yeah oh yeah fancy like (laughs) i do not recommend that Um, i mean if you're going to applebee's i recommend turning on fancy like it it's it's the hype song on your way to applebee's not even then but i that's my point of bringing that up is that country as a whole i feel like there could be a whole podcast talking about what the hell happened there but this is one of the best country-ish things i've heard in a while so check that out mafra tapes and yeah that's that's oh also listen to all of the taylor swift re-recorded stuff (laughs) as of the recording of this we only have taylor's version of fearless and Taylor's version of Wildest Dreams, a single from 1989, because she likes to stir things up all the time. And then Red is coming in November of 2021. So go listen to all of it. You don't have a choice. You have to. I say so. Well, here's something that might be a little bit different than usual when this question comes. But I was wondering if maybe you take this moment to explain some of your personal history with Cloud Dead. And I will see if maybe I can interject some of your personal history with Cloud Dead that you might not know or remember. Oh, God. Well, all of my personal history (laughs) with Cloud Dead revolves around you. So I don't really know how to answer this question. Well, okay. let me ask you this. Before you sat down and listened to this album for this podcast, if someone said Cloud Dead, would it make you think of any music that you do listen to or do like? No. Okay. So here's a little personal story is one time I was really, really broke and a member of cloud dead put out one of the most amazing albums I ever heard in in recent years. And then they offered to give people free tickets and a record 
if you put up flyers for their show. So I was very broke and I put up flyers for that show and you went around with me helping me that put up flyers. That wasn't for them. No, it was not. It was for Yoni and Getty. Yoni that Wolf. That post, no. Yo- Yoni Wolf, <laughs> also known as Y, is a member of Yoni and Getty. And you like the Yoni and Getty album. I Oh, Test. Oh, what's it? It's Testarossa. Testarossa. Yeah. I didn't, that is in no way. Okay. Not in no way related, but that's so tangent to what. Well, one of one of the singers of that is one of the singers in this. Right. But that's such a tangent. That's such a jump. How can you be like, well, you should know this from your personal experience. I wasn't saying you should know it. I was just <laughs> saying you do have a little bit of reference for Cloud Dead that you weren't making the immediate connection to. That was fun. I wish we could do that again. I just want to go like, listen, if you've never walked around a city handing out posters for someone else's band, <laughs> I don't know in what instance you would have this opportunity, but if you get are given this opportunity, take it. It's really fun. Well, I've done it twice and it's not my favorite thing I've done. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Why are you bringing up the story then? No, I mean, it was it was nice, a nice day for you and I, but it just eventually starts feeling weird putting posters up to me. Remember, you lost the tape. Sure. Do you remember you're like, where did I put the tape? And then it was all the pictures because I, I don't remember why. Did you need to, like, prove that you're putting I think it's that you had to prove you're putting the posters up. Yeah, because right? I had and, no interaction with them. And for like, whatever reason, I think the camera on your phone was broken. So we were saving all the pictures on my phone. And I remember you being like, damn it, where's the tape? And I went through all the pictures and like tracked where the tape was in all the pictures. And I was like, wait, this was the last sighting of the tape at this record store. So the lesson is don't lose your tape. But back on the subject of, of the album and Cloud Dead. Yes. I've been a big fan of this album and this band for a long time. Um, I could break down. I got into this artist, which led me to this artist and how I love them. But Cloud Dead has been one of the most important musical artists in my life for at least the last decade, if not. Well, to sort of jump in to talking more about the album, not just Cloud Dead itself. One of my big takeaways from listening to the album as a whole was I now understand why this is one of your favorite albums of all time. Like why that gets a coveted spot on your list. Because one of my takeaways was that this album is saying that nothing matters and everything is terrible, but it's also somehow weirdly beautiful. (laughs) I that's, that's interesting. Well, I want to go, let's circle back to that. (laughs) First off, this isn't part of the extensive history, but this is going to come off later come up later Mm -hmm. is first off the cloud dead is stylized in a real weird way Mm -hmm. but lots of people are curious where the name of cloud dead comes from and it's actually based on a knock knock joke adam dose one drucker's little sister made up when she was little really and i don't know the full joke but part of the joke is cloud dead and that's where they got their (laughs) name Wow. Okay. I also have some inside information, but I want to know if anything was relevant to you about the naming of this album. Well, I like, cause I saw that you made a little template, which was helpful for me. Thank you. I'm throwing finger guns at him. (laughs) You can't see that on a podcast. I, 
see the naming of an album is always like eh, for me there could be like the very easy like let me just name it after one of the songs that's on the album or there's the more artistic route of being like let me you know it has nothing to do with not obviously it has something to do with the album as a whole but it has nothing to do with like individual tracks and is like more about tying the whole thing together and it's I don't know it's hard for me to say I took it as it's just being very literal there's 10 songs right oh yeah 10 come on (laughs) that's exactly how when I first heard it I took it because it just seems like it's 10 there's 10 songs that's what it is and I took it as well let's be authentic since that or the lack of authenticity is points trying to be made within the album both of those things at the same time I feel like are being attacked yeah well the interesting real story of why it's called 10 is that this is the 10th thing that cloud dead released Oh, so within my line of reasoning of being very literal. Yes, this is the 10th <laughs> thing that Cloud Dead released. And on the ninth thing that Cloud Dead released, in the liner notes, there is a little note that says, this is nine out of 10. <laughs> oh, is this the last thing they did? As Cloud Dead. This is wow. the closing statement of Cloud Dead. Wow. And that's part of where the name comes from. So that's got to be another reason you like this so much then. Because it's like, I just picture like, after you said that, I just pictured the finale of like a fireworks show where it's just like, yeah, drum solo, everything's <laughs> like shooting off. It's great. Okay. So before we get into what, what we think the themes or the meaning of the album as a whole is, I got to know, how would you explain this music to somebody in a like genre way? Okay. Like I knew you're going to ask that because again, templates. But this is even worse than asking me about the title because like, don't ask me about genres. I first of all, I hate genres in like anything, not just music. I hate genres when you're talking about books and literature. I like don't put me in a box, man. But like music, I feel like a dummy. I feel like an imposter. Like, I don't know how to describe musical things. I'm like, there's a song. There's some beats in there. I think there's instruments in there, but that's about it. But I can tell you what I wrote. (laughs) I wrote, I'm so bad at this. (laughs) But punk influenced hip hop? Question mark? Uh, Emphasis, emphasis on the question mark. I don't know. Don't just cut everything out that I've ever said. (laughs) No, I mean, I don't really have words for it either. I do know that it is hip hop or at least has the heart of hip hop. But it's like really experimental outside of the box hip hop. Well, that's why I was like punk, but it's not punk. But I feel like some of the like the actual sound of it isn't punk, but I feel like the heart behind it is punk. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So you said that you think this album is about how everything means nothing, but also everything is beautiful. And so I assume we're going to get down to that as we go through the tracks. But I just wanted to point out that I see this this album has three different movements and each movement has one song that overlaps into the uh, to the other movement and so i'm going to point out where i think those end and begin as we go but the first movement is about the world and the music industry and the things that cloud dead experienced in their formation of being cloud dead i think the second movement is about human and animal nature and where they intersect and where they run parallel the third movement 
I think is all about the the band, and I think it's about the end of the joke. It's a joke that you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I I need to know what this joke is. <laughs> we'll get back to it, but um, we won't because you don't know what it is. Fair. Okay. Fair enough. Listeners, listeners, no one can rest if you've listened to this. You've like you've signed on to this against your will. <laughs> no one rests until we find out what this joke is. Is that a fair request? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think there's, it, I'm in danger of never being able to say enough about this album. I love it a lot, but I do think one little general note that I want to throw out there is that there are a lot of lyrical themes that they use that are so prevalent in this album that were used before and that they would go on to use it on their own individually. And it's just a very distinct look at where the two lyricists minds kind of intersect. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Was there something you wanted to say about it? I uh, wrote down a couple ideas for the, the overall themes that I was feeling. And it's funny because I'm looking at it now. And based on what you were saying about that, you felt and we're hearing movements within the album that there's three different movements. I think it's a little funny because I'm, I'm looking at how that, what I wrote kind of lines up with what you said but not entirely. Can I just read? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So in order, this is what I wrote next to themes, selling out obsoleteness, American ignorance. Life is terrible. So I mean, kind of like the beginning, like you said, the, Amer the, the music industry stuff, selling out obsolete, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then the middle, like American ignorance, like what you were saying about the like animal, what, what were you saying? Human and animal nature. And yeah. And I feel like that kind of ties into like the American ignorance of like, we are so Americans are so unaware of like the rest of the world in every sense, in other human beings, in nature, in, <laughs> but, but that's getting on a different tangent. But my point being that I thought it was kind of funny that I didn't necessarily hear those like broken down movements. But to be fair, you've listened to it far many times more than I have. Yes. But I think it's funny that there was a little bit of overlap there. And I think also this is something I, I didn't want to say in my notes, but having this conversation is making me want to say it is I think part of what I love about this album is that the lyrics can be interpreted in a lot of ways and, and personalized in a lot of ways that don't necessarily have to make sense. According to some stuff I've read, a lot of the lyrics that in this album are just poetic journalism. Like we'll touch on some of those specifically, but sometimes it's just Dose and Y wrote poems about what they were seeing and mm -hmm. made it into these songs. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So will we tie back at the end to go over last minute thoughts? Oh yeah, of course. Again? Okay. All right. Then I'm going to save a couple of things till we talk more about each track. Okay, well, are you you ready to take a quick break and go track by track? Yep, let's do this. All right, we'll be right back. back and we're going to go ahead and jump right into this first track pop song it's 
I guess right off the bat, it's pretty easy to see why this song would start the movement about music and the industry and the things that created Cloud Dead. Well, yeah, right out of the gate, it's commentating on the literal selling out of a pop star. Yeah, or or just the state of pop music in general. Just I love in several different ways. They call pop music just sugary, sweet garbage. (laughs) They they call it hollow. Cotton candy, cotton candy, yeah. (laughs) And I mean, they make references to Elvis and the Beatles, but also the references to to Disney are are just kind of like this big empty pop culture. Well, we all know your feelings on Disney. Well, sure. Well, Um, yeah. (laughs) I I wanted to mention that I love the way this song starts out too. The I can't do it without and then cuts off and bam right into the song like love that yeah it's the epitome of what we just talked about like talking about the sugariness and of what the music industry is and and the expectations and like that sort of emptiness of you know what i mean yeah and and not only is it kind of a a nifty little count off to the beginning of an album that's different than any other count off you've heard yeah but the way they use vocal layering to start the song right after it is just incredible when you sit down and listen to what's actually going on instead of like because it can just like wash over you but when you hear it fully it, it's amazing right well i think one of the questions i had was what do you think the prevalence of cotton candy is i think you kind of already answered that though because when i first listened to it i was like i love how they whisper sing that like it's just the the sounds the consonant of cotton candy and then doing the like whisper of that just sounds nice on your ears and and the little like tongue roll the rah. yeah exactly <laughs> but i was like hmm when i think mainstream things my first thought isn't you know what cotton candy god like <laughs> what 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 a poser man he's eating cotton, cotton candy over there gross <laughs> but now that makes sense because it it is just like sugary sweet and that's oh like I think of sometimes once in a great while, I'm like, yes, I could go for some cotton candy, but it, it's just like, oh, sugar. Like I can't cotton candy's gross. It's so sweet. It's gross. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's the exact point that they're trying to make. Uh, there's a lot of really fun wordplay in this song for sure. The line. And then we say fuck in our pop song. I felt that was like almost a climax for the song. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, because looking at the arc of the story, I was like, okay, makes sense. Like, this is where it takes its turn. Oh, yeah. Okay. I did uh, standout lines again. Well, here's the deal. Oh, no. Did you anticipate my standout lines? And we're like, I'm going to do you one better and I'm going to fight you. No, we're not going (laughs) to fight, but we're both going (laughs) to. We're both going to have standout lines for this album because I I knew you were going to do it and I had to. This album is so important to me. I had to have some myself. Hopefully we overlap in a few places. You knew I was going to do it. I should have done a plot twist so that you couldn't anticipate it and been like, I'm going to do standout syllables. (laughs) Well, what is your standout line for pop song? My standout line was the label stapled a speaker to the back of a sheep's throat tongue depressor with the width of a spatula suppresses all the syllables blah 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 end quote i love that part and it's that's a fun part to sing along 
but there are moments that they're they don't have the lyrics to these songs in their liner notes so there are moments that are disputed and i'm wondering if maybe it's just what i want to hear and i've never seen it in anyone trying to decipher the lyrics but my mind i swear they say oh bah blah blah as in bah like the sheep that had ah. its, I, I i could be wrong and i could just be hearing what i want to hear because it doesn't seem like anyone else puts the lyrics like that but i swear i hear oh blah 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 i bet it is and i think that's cool if that is the case but i i just liked the back of it i i just like that line a lot where it's like sheep and it's like yeah well and there's also there's (laughs) something about the interplay of the syllables and the with the width of a spatula yeah the the delivery and the the play of those syllables is really incredible right so it wasn't it's not only like the meaning of what they're saying but just the sound of it as well their vocal deliveries are so much of what makes this album what it is Mm -hmm. so that's a great line and i wouldn't say my favorite line is better than yours but tied with it okay and my favorite line from this song is how can i be your lover when you sport a head of rubber sucker you can't take applause to bed with you why did I know that was going to be the one? I've probably quoted, you can't take applause to bed with you plenty you of times. Yeah. <laughs> like when I was looking through the lyrics and like listening along and reading, I was like, how many times has he said that? <laughs> it's a great quote. I'm not denying it. It is. It is. It is because it's the epitome of like, well, this is what's wrong with like the music industry is it's like okay like you can do the like like you said the sugary easy fun things that everyone can sing along to and clap along to and oh that's fun but at the end of the day then you're alone with like nothing because you know because it's empty it's cotton cotton candy yeah that's not just yeah you know that's that's interesting to think about too back to the cotton candy thing sorry i'm really stuck on the cotton candy (laughs) well it's spun any way you like it go away <laughs> but that's another cotton candy is empty like it's light like air it's like clouds oh cloud dead what there's the cotton candy that's why <laughs> oh we need to sh- okay i need to shut up because i'm just gonna keep going on about cotton candy which has like very little to actually do with the song but yeah i i knew that was gonna be the line you were gonna tell me yeah well if you already i think we go ahead and move on to track two yeah all right well let's play a little bit of the keen teen skip Let's do this one a little bit differently. Oh, Lord. What's your favorite line from the Keen Teen Skip? There is no search party for a star gone dim. That is great. <laughs> but you're wrong for every reason in the world. No, I didn't note this because I wasn't thinking about it. But you know how I said there were themes that that uh, they would use later? That's another one of their themes that in a later song... It's actually in a subtle song featuring Cloud Dead that they reference sending search parties for a star gone dim. Sure. Okay, well, then I will give my favorite line and then we'll just actually talk about the song. My favorite line is, 
are you prepared to give a guided tour of your planet to something like God to speak on behalf of all phylum from single celled to sapiens? Are all your cells in agreement? If it's a competition, this like standout line thing, which you're you're coming pretty you're coming in hot with this. <laughs> so like I feel like we're supposed to be like competing for the better standout lines. No, no, it's not. If that is the case, you're saying it's not, but you got a smirk on your face. The listener can't, they might be able to hear it, but they can't see it. You definitely won that round. <laughs> it's such a great line. And when I first heard it. I used to think the last part of it are all yourselves in agreement and not all yourselves. And even that makes sense too. I don't know. Where else would you like to go with this song? I feel like I'm just going to jump around. Something that stuck out to me was the instrumentation near the end over the lyrics, the empty space between distant airs doesn't care. And I found that to be an interesting choice because it sounds almost like a children's toy which I thought was maybe emphasizing the nostalgia felt for simplicity of like maybe childhood. Yeah. Juxtaposed with the lyrics, youngsters today are not prepared to buy plants or collect stamps. Well, also in the title of the song is the keen teen skip. So it does. It is. I, I mean, when I listen to this song, I feel of it not even necessarily a critique, although that first part is, but like, looking back at youth Mm -hmm. like i feel like that's part of it apparently this is one of the songs that and i don't i'm not sure entirely how but this is one of the songs where it's like them doing everyday journalism and then writing poems about it and this was based on them writing the oakland subway from all the way like from one into the other right but i don't really see that i i see it about youth and that's part of why it's part of this first movement to me like the music and the the surroundings that make them the lives they've had. I saw it as kind of a removed look at youth. Yeah. Like, like it's a pulled back vantage point of it. The beginning of the song, it felt like they were pulling sounds from an older generation with like that old, like raspy, like child that like recording right. of like the child's voice sounded like some like a child from like, world war ii era sort of deal like maybe that's just me but then it was like also just the terminology and the language felt more archaic to me too like cup of ale and gentlemen and lasses like that's not that's not something you hear today so that's why i just felt like it is you know obviously like you said teen keen skip like it is a look at youth but i feel like there were intentional choices there to be like okay, well, it's looking at it from a not-so-youthful place anymore. Yeah, I guess the other big thing for me in this song is when that part you were talking about earlier where it feels like kind of like a child's toy, mm-hmm. and then after it, it goes into that almost cacophonous orchestra, and then there's <laughs> there's the power drill solo. Yeah. I love the power drill solo. <laughs> it's so good, though. It really is. Well, who doesn't love a good power drill solo? Exactly. Who doesn't? <laughs> Listen, if you don't have at least one power drill solo in your in your album, you're doing something wrong. What's Taylor Swift's best power drill solo? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of a song where I could just like argue that, yes, there's a power drill in there somewhere. Probably look what you made me do. There's so many different ridiculous sounds happening in there that. I could totally like convince someone there's a power drill in there. Well, is there anything else you want to say about the teen keen teen skip? 
it wasn't my standout line, but another notable line was the impact of laughter diffuses through space, the petty douse of your death. It felt like looking at this like stuff from a youthful point of view or even like nostalgic, like I was saying, but then like in the latter half of the song, it's like nothing matters. (laughs) Yeah, I see that. This is honestly probably, I love this song, but it's probably one of my least favorite songs on the album, I'd say. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it honestly first listen, I was like, oh, this might be a standout. But then like I listened a couple different times and I was like, eh, no. I mean, it's a good song. It's a good song. But the rest of the album, a lot of it is a lot stronger than just this. Yeah. But But I think it makes sense. So why don't we, unless you object, play a little bit of Rhymer's Only Room, track three. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really care for this song. What What is it about it that you don't care for? It's not It's not one of my favorite songs on the album, but I do like this song. I didn't really get it, and I didn't really get its contribution to the album as a whole. But maybe I'm just missing something. Uh, what I think, I think this is, this album changes pace a lot. Like, there, it's really interesting pacing, which I appreciate. This is such a percussive wave like i think that's part of the place of this song is that the percussive like there's beatboxing there's all kinds of stuff going on i want to point this out and maybe we'll jump all the way back i don't know if you ever listened to the secret song or if you didn't get that far but at the end of this album after the last song there's like 15 minutes of silence and then there's yoni saying no, that water, the water faucet keeps shocking me. It keeps shocking me. It only does it when I hit the cold water. It shocks me, though. And then there's a rumor that they were doing using the water faucet on this song. And what's funny is I never noticed this till today because I found out this other instrument. If you listen to like Dose One kind of screams at the end of this, mm-hmm. if you listen to it, it sounds like he's being shocked. Oh, it sounds like they recorded him getting shocked from the water faucet and had him make the noise for the song. Well, there you go. So that's interesting. But I do think that this song is it's kind of like I mean, maybe I'm using this word wrong, but it's kind of like a tone poem about being from Cincinnati or coming from Cincinnati to California. Yeah, because I mean, I'll just jump into it. The standout line for me was Cincinnati, Lone, Lie, Tomb. Just because that sounded amazing, but like that was that was the only thing that really stuck out for me with the song is like that. Connect- I feel like if I was from Cincinnati, <laughs> I'd have more connection to that. Well, I, w- I hesitate to call that a theme, but of course, why on Y album, there's, he references Cincinnati plenty. He's from Cincinnati, and I think Dose One lived there for a while, and I think they lived there together before they moved to California. To me, it feels like Rhymer's only room is they were coming from Cincinnati, which isn't like a big city. And they're like, oh, we're just like our friends in this little corner that are just like rapping and making weird stuff on tapes. 
And then you go out to California and it's kind of a, a whole different experience. Mm-hmm. I, and that's just what I get from this song. But I really think it's about the percussive wave that this song gives you in the feeling. And that's about its place. But that also means it fits in with the thing, the world they're from, what created them and that whole first movement. Did you have any other major notes about this one? Maybe I just have something against drummers then. (laughs) Maybe. Well, before we move on, uh, I would like to say my standout line. Uh Uh-huh. Which it just evokes such a feeling to me. But the line is sweet smelling walk into cartoon. Why? I don't know. I, you know, I think about like, this is the image it conjures up to me. And maybe that's just what I'm seeing is, you know, in cartoons when like a pie smells really good and you're like, you can see the smell of it floating through the air and someone. Yes. (laughs) Like Tom and Jerry. That's what I'm picturing when you're saying this. Exactly. So something so sweet smelling, you walk into it like a cartoon. That's the way I always feel that line. And I doubt that's what it even means, but yeah, I don't know. It just evokes that feeling to me. Well, let's go ahead and move on and play a little bit of track number four, The Velvet Ants. Well, I have two things that I have to say right up front. The Velvet Ant is my first standout track of the album. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Makes sense. The other one is that this is the song where the movement transitions. Okay. What did you get from the Velvet Ant? So I felt it was short, but bothersome to me, <laughs> but like in a really effective way, in the good, in the best way possible, in the way that you want to be bothersome. Uh, something about it made me really uneasy, if it, even if it wasn't entirely clear. But the more times I listen to it, the more I'm like, okay, it's clear to me why I'm uncomfortable and it's intentional and it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think part of the uneasy feeling too is just that keyboard MIDI sample that it's comprised of is such a weird little dark tune. Yeah. It, the dark tune, you got to have that for the dark shit that's happening here. <laughs> The, the line, people are aborting full-grown goats. That is jarring. That's just weird. <laughs> they, like, break, they break everything down to say that, too. <laughs> right. So it's just like, what? What are you talking? It's ridiculous, but also upsetting. Like, <laughs> So why don't you say what this song means to you? And then I'll say what it means to me. And then we'll go into what it may actually mean. Okay. So... I wrote a whole long thing about it. So let me just like basically read this. So the line, they walk a cage full of goats across the b-ball court. The first thing I thought of was children in cages at the border. And then b-ball court, that reference made me think of basketball courts, obviously, because what else is that? You don't call a baseball diamond a b-ball court. Like, (laughs) Just for the listener, can I interject and say that a, that's if you're like me and you like to sing along to this album, that's a real fun line to sing. And it starts off with, yo, two small girls and a handful of dressed men. 
they walk a cage full of goats across a b-ball court <laughs> oh sorry i no, messed no, no. up I, your favorite line no it's not my favorite line i just wanted the listener to be able to get the full picture of that line okay where was i now you were saying basketball right so like the clear references to like black men right when i was like maybe it's a commentary on the caging or killing of people in their own home or territory. Cause like connecting those two things for me was like, okay, well, what's something similar with those two sets of imagery and not saying that like black men belong on a b-ball court that that's opening a whole like jar, <laughs> but that's the, the stereotype or the, or the, th- whatever, you know what I'm talking about? Sure. You found political statement in that about oppression. Yeah. So, so that was the big thing for me was that it's also like, if you're connecting what I saw with the imagery of that and my connections to those, those lines and those people with the actual title of the song, the velvet ant, it's like, okay, well, how can we make people feel as small as ants? Well, let's take away all their like freedoms and their dignities and their identities and like be as inhumane as possible, you know? Yeah. That's a really interesting take on this that I have never thought of like that before. But as soon as you say it all, it makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for what it makes me feel and how I relate meaning to it? Sure. I just feel like so much of this is strong imagery without overselling it. The whole first part of the first verse is them listing animals with some weird feature or whatever. And they kind of overlap into this, the thing about the goats and all, but they end this song with saying that all of this happens at a pyramid video shoot. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we're making art of nature. We're using nature as a plaything for some kind of other purpose. That's always how it hit me. If that makes sense. And I feel like that's the way it probably should hit you. <laughs> well, maybe, but here's the thing. All this and more at a pyramid video shoot. And I didn't know this, even though I knew the band. It's another underground hip-hop group has a song called Pyramid. And this is literally a description of things they saw mm. at the shoot for the music video. Okay. So I would have never thought that. And you weren't supposed to, you weren't supposed to have that knowledge. And you have a very clear and reasonable interpretation of of a message of oppression, which totally makes sense. Like selling something small as velvet. Yeah. Like being like, it's great to be small and to be one of millions. And, and then my thing about the nature, and that's why the music video kind of connects to the first movement, the like where we're coming from, blah, blah, blah. And the stuff about nature brings us into the second movement that I feel is there. But yeah, And then in turn, turn, it's all actually about a music video shoot. (laughs) Well, that depresses me. But or 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 is it like, okay, well, how damn depressing is that? (laughs) Like, you know what I'm thinking of right now? All right. You know, that episode of The Office, the, the U.S. version where the guys come from corporate or were hired by corporate to make a commercial (laughs) for Dunder Mifflin. And Michael Scott comes to the table and is like, okay, I have all these great ideas. For example, we start off it looking at a flower and then we zoom out and the flowers in a dump and then you zoom out again. <laughs> That's what I'm just picturing right now in my head. Is that like zooming out? Does that make sense? 
or am I just crazy? No, I mean, it makes sense. It, it does from what they're talking about. But that's what I'm saying is they turned an experience, a weird experience they had, something that not very many people do, just hanging around a set of a music video shoot into this poem that we can all take something from. Yeah. Which is awesome. Do you want my standout line? Yeah, let's go ahead and get to your standout line. Strawberry in an ostrich throat. Because I like ostriches. Well, this is, I, I had a feeling this is what would happen, but what I, I love all the lines in this song. The song is so fun to sing along to. The vocal delivery in this song is perfect. The best line in this song is the refrain a rattlesnake caught in a wheelbarrow, strawberry in an ostrich throat. <laughs> Overlap. It is such great visual words. Like the imagery from those lines, you can just see it so clearly. I didn't even care about all that. I just like ostriches. <laughs> but picture a strawberry in an ostrich throat. Yes, I agree with you. I'm just saying like you have way more valid of a reason to point out the line than I do. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I love the vocal delivery of this. I feel like part of this is a statement about monetizing nature. Mm -hmm. I love this song. It's a standout for me. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I think I'm ready to go on to the next one, which is a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to play a little bit of track five, Son of a Gun. I'm empty rifles and shell cases. Known with the beer as the deer eraser. of guns will never go home. May their children always play murder weapons and stick. The makers of guns will never fail. I feel like this is a song where the title is pretty self-explanatory, which is not often the case for Cloud Dead. Maybe pop song in this one so far. So this is a standout to me. Yeah? Yes. Like there's so much happening in this song. I don't even know where to begin, but it's a standout. Because there's so much happening. That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have that many notes on this one. So really, that's surprising to me. Literally, I have the most. This is the song that had the most notes for me. I had so much to say about this. Well, you hit me with it. Well, now I feel like I misinterpreted everything. and I'm just going to embarrass myself. No. Well, first, that intro had me laughing. The voicemail type dialogue and how casual he is about oh you know shoot and drop bombs from the air i guess right like, amazing like i was laughing out loud i was like yes well we mentioned it in teen keen skip they're great at pulling vocal samples for what they're doing yes yes exactly but it's just like even though it's not something to laugh about because it's where we fucking are unfortunately it's it's the truth of how we normalize and desensitize ourselves and like where we are with that sort of thing like oh i guess i'll drop bombs i guess like that's where we are that's not even an exaggeration like of course yes it is an exaggeration but just barely <laughs> right oh you'll appreciate this and only certain people will get it but i think you'll you want that sort of energy in your podcast hooray for fair fair child made me think of Yay, no cops. <laughs> Yay, no cops. <laughs> Even though the polar opposite is being said. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's basically like, yay, <laughs> militarization. Yeah. Throwback to our Buck 65 episode. Are you ready for this? Yes. Are the listeners ready for this? Probably. <laughs> My Abraham Lincoln conspiracy theory lives on. <laughs> <laughs> so remember when we talked about the song Kennedy Killed the Hat, and I said there's an alternate universe where JFK is hunting Lincoln down. Well, Lincoln never got off because he, he didn't. JFK is on the case, though. <laughs> Jokes aside, I know this is implying that Lincoln didn't die because his assassination wasn't televised. And if that's not on TV or not in the media, it didn't happen, which is a commentary on police brutality and the recent Black Lives Matter movement, stupid white people thinking this is a new thing when it's been happening all the time for like decades and decades at this point, just now getting caught on video. I mean, I think this song is very clearly a statement about war and weapons and violence. Right. And to some extent, comparing it to animal nature and comparing it to how it, not the whole song, but there's the, the whole first verse is basically there's like the lines with the known with a beer as a, as the deer eraser and stripping meat, stretching skin for their musical men, yeah. killing nature and each other basically well right well like you see you mentioning like well it's a lot about violence and war and stuff literally wrote how sad is it to see all those names of influential people being gunned down like when i was like looking at the lyrics i'm like that's just like a lot of influential people that have been assassinated like that sucks well yeah like it should not be this common and that was 10 years ago. You could probably add like 20 names. That was 20 years ago. 20 years ago? Jesus. Yeah, I think that I'm, I, I'll have it up top for sure, but I'm pretty sure the year is 2001 for this. Well, album. I still think we're in 2010. So, okay. I mean, yeah. So the line, someone splitting atoms in the flag, barbed wire. I interpreted this as we're working on nuclear weapons, like, the atomic bomb right in the u.s but the general public is ignorant to this since it's behind closed doors barbed wire military bases in the middle of nowhere yeah right so that's the obvious like you said like the, the title's kind of self-explanatory the lyrics are so like you, it's not super abstract like nobody's ever gonna get this <laughs> guns are bad war is bad murder <laughs> is bad but I still think they do it so well, like just because it's it's not like covered under 50 layers of like, we're going to be super deep, man. Doesn't mean it's not good. Right. Since you brought that up, that that involves one of my notes. Uh, this song has a part that's repeated later in the album. Mm -hmm. And it is that hum did a little little hum did a lie. Someone splitting atoms on the flag barbed wire up in the sky where the warplanes fly dead in the cloud with the God's cold lie. I have notes on that for the album as a whole. Well, great. We're going to get to that, <laughs> but I just wanted to point out that that starts here. You know, we can come back to it when it concludes, Yeah. but also to point out that these lines are repeated on this album. And this time dose one is the one delivering them. And I can't quite make it out and it's never put in any of the lyrics I see. But before he goes into the hum did a little mm -hmm. when he's like fading in because, you know, it doesn't just come. It fades in. He says something about his landlord. 
or landlords, which is actually common a common theme in Dose One's work. He mentions his landlord quite often. Right. And Cloud did, did, did early in their thing too. So that's just a reoccurring theme in their work. But he says that before kicking off into this repeated line. So, I mean, if you had anything you wanted to say about it now, feel free. If not, what I you have more to say about the song in general, I think. So the musical changes, like now, not just talking about the actual lyrics, which I feel like I've talked about a lot, but like the actual changes throughout the song are just very vast and beautiful to me. There's dramatic pauses to show like from my point of view and in my mind and in my crazy imagination. <laughs> Like those dramatic pauses are good for showing the devastation of bombings and mass murders. And then there's the changes to the soft bells and the gradual crescendo as the list of the names of the assassinated roll on. And it's those types of little things that it's just like those pack a punch for me. No, it's a it's a great song. I love this song. It's not a standout song How for dare me, but you? I but I love this song. I'm surprised. I thought you were going to be like, yeah, this is a great song. It is a great song. This <laughs> whole album is great. That's the thing. If I have to pick three or four, this one doesn't make the cut, but I still love this song. <laughs> well, this was a standout to me, and my standout line for this song was, the makers of guns will never go hungry. The makers of guns will never fill up. Because it's truly and likely will be the cause of our collective demise. Well, yes. And again, you do the shorter version, but uh, our favorite line overlaps because I had to include may their children always play murder weapons since stick, because that's such a great line too. the makers of guns will never go hungry. May their mm-hmm. children always play murder weapons since stick. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a great summation of what this song's about. It's like, geez, kids pretend sticks or swords when they're like five years old you know it's yeah it's incredible war is terrible yeah humans are terrible let's all go away yeah well we will (laughs) well yeah probably very soon Oof. (laughs) (laughs) well is there anything else you want to say about son of a gun well we're going down a dark (laughs) wormhole here so let's move on (laughs) all right let's play a little bit of track six rifle eyes a spider spitting web on a styrofoam snowman's head Car salesmen asleep in their cars on lunch break Under the highway on ramp The x-ray of someone's tumored skull Left to scream doom from the gutter With all the other preventative waste No name, no face The oil drills on some six-sedated rhythmic robot Rape of like brainwashed blood in a carcass The highway shoulder dead dogs fly devoured I had to pause the music to read the lyrics because it was insanely fast and it was way too much for my brain. (laughs) Well, that's a fair assessment, but here's something that you or a listener, a more casual listener might not pick up on. Well, this song uh, musically more so than any other song on the album is verse one is all dose one verse two is all why. So verse one is Dose One, who is known for being a super fast rapper, uh-huh. cutting loose, which she usually doesn't do on Cloud Dead that much. So yeah, verse one is very hard to understand the lyrics. The whole thing was too fast for me, but maybe I'm just like tired or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I don't think verse two is as hard, but also... You also listen to way more like fast spitting things than I do. That's fair. This is 
this is my number one standout track without a doubt really that's nuts <laughs> i wouldn't have expected that <laughs> i love this song so much why tell me this is a perfect song to me it's perfect whoa yes why tell the listeners and me why i don't understand why it's perfect <laughs> first off i will say one of the things that you're you're saying is that it's too fast yeah one of my biggest one of the things that drives me crazy is when people say rapping isn't a talent that is so hurtful and so disrespectful because whether you like it or not being a good rapper takes skill practice and and natural ability well yeah who who is saying that rap isn't a talent well lots of people through through the course of history you mean old white people yes they're irrelevant move on (laughs) fair fair (laughs) but I love fast rap. And I think without even being able to know most of the words, hearing Dose One in the first verse is insane. Mm-hmm. That is crazy talent. That is just crazy. It, it, the, the sheer talent of his vocals in the first verse are incredible. Now, th- that's why I said this is a song kind of where us- usually on this album, their voices are working in tandem or like they're trading off. But this song is really verse one is dose one and it showcases that verse two is why even Yoni Wolf or whatever we, we want to call him. He's he's called Y on this album. He would later change Y to his band name. But his sing song rapping that he does and, and the way the way he delivers lines, we're going to jump ahead. I still have more to say, but my favorite lyrics from this song is not one line. It is the whole first half of the second verse, just because they are so fun to sing the way the delivery is so good. I'm going to go ahead. You're going to get sued because you're just going to sing half the song. No, I'm not. I'm not going (laughs) to sing. I'm going to cut off before the last line of the first half, because regardless of of how you feel, the, the imagery uses a word I don't want. I don't want to use on this podcast right now. I don't necessarily think it's wrong for them to use but i don't want to read the word out loud and and bother anybody but the lines are a spider spitting web on a styrofoam snowman's head car salesman asleep in their cars on lunch break under the highway on ramp the x-ray of someone's tumored skull left to scream doom from the gutter with all the other preventative waste no name no face the oil drills on some six sedated rhythmic robot the tongue twister and when you can finally master seeing those words is this the second verse isn't hard to to rap because of the speed it's harder to to rap sing because of the like tongue twisters of the words Mm. and it's it's so incredible and i love that but i have some more thoughts about this but before i do what what did you get meaning wise from this song before i get into the meaning i just had to make a comment that this is a this is just a sarah reaction to the imagery but gross <laughs> well and that's the point that's the limit let me finish that's the point because it's very vivid very very vivid and very detailed visuals and like that is combined with you're so excited i wish like we had a visual companion for this because he's just so jazzed about this song <laughs> i am i am i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i was like getting revved up over here well what was i saying Oh, yeah. So combining these intense visualizations with how very fast they're spitting them out, it's just insanity. 
but in the best possible way. So the meaning for me was that it's these vivid uh, images of death and in nature and how it's one of life's most natural occurrences juxtaposed against the unnatural human existence (laughs) and our interference with that nature. You know what I mean? Like things like highways, trucks, engines, salesmen, sleeping in cars. A salesman is definitely not a natural thing. Listen, salesmen (laughs) are gross. Yeah, no. Go away. Exactly. We are a damn plague is what I took from this. Well, well, that's, that is very fair. And that's what, and I have more to say, but that's why this song isn't the end, but this song is the climax of the second movement. Makes sense. Human nature versus animal nature. Yeah. This song is where all of that comes to a big head because the big thing is when you narrow it down and I can't wait to hear what your actual favorite line is and we'll get there. But when you narrow it down, the big moment lyrically of this song is the last line of the refrain. I feel like I'm going to disappoint you with my standout line. Before I uh, get to the standout line, I did have one more comment that, you know, we're talking about how fast paced that is. And like, that's a huge talent and that's a style thing for them. And uh, I do think it's not just a style thing and it's not just like, oh, look what I can do. I feel like with this song specifically, it had a purpose. It had the intention was to acknowledge how we don't stop and notice things anymore. Like we're just a terror on this planet and on the nature and the other species that live on this planet. We're just a storm that just keeps coming. And like, we don't slow down. Like how fast, fast, fast was all that? And like, we don't slow down to acknowledge these things, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, it, again, it all boils down to uh, the, what I think is the thesis line of the song and not my, again, I gave my fa- favorite is the second verse at first half, but yeah, the, a single long stem rose resting between two mounted antlers. And it's, I think that's the st- thesis statement of the song is beauty versus vulgarity. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, that was another thing I noticed throughout, like it's very vivid imagery because it's like you're putting two very different things right next to each other. But both came from the same place to an extent. Exactly. So yeah, it's all a lot. This I put that this song is a lot. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I had so much enthusiasm for it. I really do love this song so well, much. Your brain processes so fast. We've talked about this. Your brain is like on steroids, man. So maybe it's like not as fast to you, but for me, and maybe I'm just fucking dumb. I don't know. Because other people might be like, it's not that fast. What are you talking about? Stupid. No, I think if you listen, <laughs> I, I I may disagree with you on the second verse, but I, I think if you listen to the first verse and then you're, you're overwhelmed by that first verse, the whole thing feels that way. But maybe that's also a choice. You're supposed to feel overwhelmed by life because life is terrible. And it finds <laughs> a way and it's gross and humans are a part of that. But humans are also against that. Yep. <laughs> right. Isn't that the worst? That's so that's such a complex thought that we have to. And it's just true. It's like one of the truest things about life is that we're a part of it, but we're also like this terrible thing that's against it. Right. How do, how do we win? We don't. Exactly. And that's what this song is about. And that's part of why it's my favorite song on this album. Are you getting weepy? No, no. <laughs> but I think we're, and we're ready for your standout line. 
I'm just gonna disappoint. I don't. I don't. No, any line in this song is good. What's your What's yours favorite? Okay, so my standout line was the red raw salmon steak in the gas station urinal because of all the different alliterations there were really cool to me. No, that's a great line. That's okay. a wonderful line. Okay, I thought it'd be like you loser. What did you pick? <laughs> I don't think a single line in this song or maybe even this album is wasted. Probably not. No, I mean they're. They're wordsmiths for sure. So like, I, they're not, <laughs> what was, what was on the radio the other day that they kept saying that you're like, that's, <laughs> that's their, uh, what, what did you call it? I don't know. Pink was on the radio and they kept saying it, it wasn't stanza. Was it that you called it a stanza? You said, what a great stanza. And it was just the same line over and over, but like not a, not a significant line, like, right. like you would see here. I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, so and I had to go and turn the radio off. It was so annoying. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I like remembered what it was because it would be more entertaining for the listeners than to be like, there was this really annoying song. I can't tell you what the song was, but it was really annoying. Well, I think we're ready to move on. Yeah. So let's play a little bit of track seven, Dead Dogs 2. Oakland. It's hard to stand the sight of two dogs dead under a sky so blue. You have to stop the blood to your head to fit the breath in front of you. It's hard to stand the sight of two dogs dead under a sky so So of my two standouts for this album, this was my other standout. Well, it makes me sad that there were only two standouts on this album, but this is also on my standouts, but it's probably one of the lower tier standouts for me. <sighs> it's offensive. It's just because of how much I love the other songs. It has nothing to do with how good this song is. But this one's so good. This was the only single from this album, and I believe an instrumental song and a remix of this song were released as number nine out of ten that I referenced earlier. So yeah, it was a single, so obviously it's meant to be the most loved song. Mm -hmm. To me, this is the most... You know, we, we spoke earlier about how some of these are like daily life journalism reinterpreted into their music. This song feels like the most story song of any song on this album. Oh, yeah. It feels like this is something that actually happened to them. In my reading, it is based on something that happened to them on their way to like get their new CDs printed or whatever that they reference in this song. But I also wonder about how much of that is true, too, because this song is the movement switch. This song is the end of movement two, human versus animal nature, and the end to movement three, the band itself, Cloud Dead. Because notice this song is Dead Dogs, T-W-O. They never officially gave it a name, but on their earlier releases, they did have a Dead Dogs one. Mm -hmm. It's actually from the bike 12 inch, and the line is Dead Dogs by the side of the road. Here's where the flies come in. So... How often do they see dead animals? Right. I'll bring it around to that. What did you take as the meaning of this song? So I thought that this song tackles a really difficult idea that can be contradictory. With the line, it's hard to stand the sight of two dogs dead under a sky so blue. It's saying how we don't want to face these difficult things in life. Yet at the same time, with the line, 
long to be dead center of a curious crowd. It's implying that we long for and are drawn to these types of tragic events or tragic endings. Like the saying goes, it's it's like looking away from a car crash, you know? It's like you can't, like there's some instinctual thing that draws you to these unnatural, tragic occurrences. Yeah, like the I can't tear myself away feeling. Yeah, and I think it all ties in with what I mentioned with Son of a Gun. If it's not on TV, it didn't happen, right? No one wants to see two dogs dead under a clear blue sky, so let's just pretend it's not there. Right. But at the same time, let's fetishize these other awful things that narratives are molded and controlled by those that control us, Does that, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it also is the statement about wanting to be the center of something and how the reaction is different when you actually are the center of something. Yeah. Different like twists on that. The line, these aren't my favorite lines. The line is dogs, dogs we thought were dead. They rose up, rose up when whistled at their rib cages inflating like men on the beach being photographed. I wanted to point that line because a, these dogs aren't, weren't even actually dead. It was just the perspective that they were when they saw them. Yeah. And also bring it on to back to this being the thing that changes the movement. The thing about the dog's ribcage inflating like men and being on the beach being photographed is such a great little comparison. It's like this dog's like, I'm about to, to show what I am and men on the beach being photographed are like, I'm, you know, it's, it's a really great imagery. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it definitely is a really great song. And again, it's something that I find myself saying about Cloud Dead in general is that the vocals are so much of what makes it what it is. Yeah. Like you mentioned that this was the single and that makes a lot of sense to me when you look at the actual music too, because the vocals for the two dogs deadlines are very pretty. They're very, very pretty and easy to catch yourself singing along to. Oh yes, for sure. And the music itself is like the actual instrumentation is really beautiful. Like the organ sounds at the beginning make you feel like you're at a funeral and that kind of sets the, the tone for things well that and as i said this is this is the part of the album where the second movement ends and the third one begins what better way to end a second movement about nature and humans place in nature and all that than with a quote from werner herzog as we talked about their sampling being great mm-hmm. this was the the sample at the end of this is so perfect for it the taking a closer look at at what's around us there there is some sort of a harmony it is the harmony of overwhelming and collective murder which which is great a great way to describe nature right i have a longer standout line that kind of sets up a huge scene at least for me just with a few lines so if you're ready for it yeah all right so the standout was a guard dog guard dog for what for what against overzealous penniless athletic fanatics getting into games through a hole in the fence for the owner of the blue tarp tent pitched by a creek beneath an on-ramp. So first of all, I love the athletic fanatics line. For those that aren't fans of the MLB, they might miss that he's referencing the Oakland A's. While simultaneously he's setting up the imagery of what these fans typically look like, but the whole verse is a great picture on like class war to me too, you know? 
Well, I got to say, yeah, it is. There is a mention of class. The reason I said the Werner Herzog sample is great because it's hard for me to isolate a single moment lyrically from this song. Like, I don't think that these are the most brilliant lyrics Cloud Dead has, but every moment of this song builds on what the song is that it needs the line before and the line after, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it is, it's an amazing song. Was there anything else you wanted to add about it? No, I think that was it. Well, as I said, we're, we're now moving into the third movement of this album. And this is, it's Cloud Dead really, really starting to fold in on itself. So we're going to play a little bit of track eight, 320. I guess I'd like to start off talking about 320 and giving you the lyrics, the the listener, the lyrics to it, because it is almost an instrumental song. It's not quite, but it's almost an instrumental song. Which is why I had very little to say about it, because it's not my type of thing. This is not a standout track for me, but it was very close. I love this song. But the lyrics are, sometimes I feel like a spoof of what I used to be. I'm not a ladies man. I'm a landmine on consumer grade video at night and that's it but first off they're talking like i said this last part is talking about cloud dead and cloud dead is kind of about a joke in a way it's a joke that only they're in on to an extent because it's something adam's little sister told them so this is about cloud dead itself starting to wear down on the members of cloud dead And, you know, like knowing all that you providing that information makes a lot more sense to me because the few notes I did have were like, oh, this is short and to the point. And there's not much to be said besides that it continues kind of the bummed out vibes of the later half of the album. And it's like, okay, what you just said exactly like (laughs) matches up with the like bummed out heaviness of this is the end of something. Well, to be fair, Yoni or why? goes on to recycle two-thirds of the lyrics of this song when he's in the band Y. And and it starts, my favorite Y album starts with the line, I'm not a ladies man, I'm a landmine. And a couple lines later, he says on consumer grade video at night. So, I mean, that's also probably something that just sticks with him always too, you know? Right. There's really not much to say there. It's this weird, weird driving beat that I really appreciate. And it is very atmospheric. At the end, there's that little acapella part where the music cuts out and and Wise just like singing some scale or whatever. Mm -hmm. My standout line. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, I just cut the line in half basically and picked the better half that I like. Sometimes I feel like I'm a spoof or sometimes I feel like a spoof of what I used to be. Yeah, it's a great line. I've been feeling that more. I'm getting old. (laughs) Well, we're going to go ahead on then to track number nine, Physics of a Unicycle.
Okay, I have a lot to say about this song too. It is my final standout on the album. I love this song. Makes sense. It's got those keys, those synths. Yeah. Jonathan loves his synths. I want to know what you make of physics of a unicycle. So I thought it was very smart and cool of them to include sort of the history of the airplane invention in this narrative here. A slightly off history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, you know, the airplane was one of our greatest, most beautiful inventions of the human race. Like people can fly. That's nothing, you know, on our day to day lives. It's like, okay, and but it's when you like sit back and think about it, it's like, that's crazy. But it's also at the same time, one of the most lethal. (laughs) Right. And was the beginning of a saga of violence via the sky that rages on to this day. And it just progressively keeps getting worse. Yeah. So that thing we talked about, which I told you, like I had notes for like the end talking about the album as a whole with that one line that keeps repeating. What was it? The, this time, why is the one that sings it? But it's the hum did a little, little hum did a lie. Someone yeah. splitting atoms on the flags, barbed wire. Yes. Yes. So with this song and as a whole, looking at the album, up in the sky where the warplanes fly, I wondered if it was a juxtaposition of sky and war and sky is often indicating of freedom. Oh, yeah. Warplanes destroying that sense of freedom, which is ironic since in the U.S. it's often argued that the military is there to protect our freedoms, you know, to serve and protect our freedom. So that just like stood out to me as one, you know, connecting back to son of a gun and just taking the time in physics of a unicycle to like really break down oh this was the invention of the airplane yeah and it's like really heavy to think about the irony of it all you know well and it well it's funny that you say irony too because that's definitely one of the ways i've taken this song because you know i've sat with this album for a long time a lot longer than you or or most people and uh for some reason, this time when I was listening to it, I was really started focusing in on the maybe this is Cloud Dead's last joke and they're telling jokes aspect of it at the end here. I think that even if this is true, then it's only supposed to be partially true. But I don't even really think it's true. It's just this way I've, I've wound up seeing it and researching and listening for this album. But I almost feel like in the song before this, why says sometimes I feel like a spoof of what I used to be. And then this song is titled after a line in an earlier release of theirs. So why start spoofing dose one? Because dose one did it earlier in this album. And they're just saying, we don't have anything else to do. We're at the end of what we are. We're spoofing ourselves because this song and the refrain of it is physics of a unicycle twice the remarkable. And if there's a reframe, there's not really. But the very last lines of Bike Side 2, which is their sixth release, are, and this is just an interesting line. I actually love, these are some of my favorite Cloud Dead lyrics that aren't on tin, but the lines are, Mother Nature made the airplane and the submarine sandwich with the steady hands and dead eye of a remarkable sculptor. She shed her mountain turning training wheels for the convenience of the moving sidewalk that delivers the magnetic monkey children 
through the mouth of impossible calendar clock into the devil's manhole cauldron physics of a bicycle isn't it remarkable and so this song is definitely a call to that song but it is a re- also a retelling and fits the all themes that have already been present earlier in this album that you're speaking on right so i'm curious what was your standout line for this mm. or did you have more you wanted to say i had i had something else i wanted to say so <laughs> to elaborate on my jonathan loves his synth <laughs> comment i also loved that with this song yeah yeah the keys were just i just generally like that sound in music that's why i like 80s pop and stuff but i also just thought you know it plays strong at the beginning and then underneath throughout changing pace a little bit (laughs) and you knew it was gonna happen (laughs) it's similar to taylor swift (laughs) (laughs) and archer i feel like it's good at capturing a sense of anxiety And like, it's definitely anxiety inducing to think about like this wonderful invention we made that gets turned into a weapon of war. Right. And like almost like a cautionary, oh, this dramatic irony of like, we know like what's coming. Right. Sort of like Jaws. It's like (laughs) (laughs) that buildup. I'm getting ridiculous with my comparisons here, but you know what I mean? Well, I think this is the first time that cloud Dead has ever been compared to Taylor Swift and Jaws and Jaws. But I will say that uh, <laughs> the Archer is probably my favorite Taylor Swift song if I had to pick one. So <gasps> I'm glad it was that song. Don't make that declaration. Um, <laughs> Cause I will make you have to back that up <laughs> with a lot of, lot of research okay okay (laughs) well you i've already done a significant amount of research (laughs) but what else did you want to say before you gave us your favorite line no no i'm ready to say my favorite line i just had to get my taylor swift reference in but i also wanted to make a comment about the keys okay are you ready for my standout line yeah all right and thus begins the tale of the thumb trigger cloud kill at last the rights reinvented the horse with wings Another invention only fit for a mannequin. Early time machines will have tended to leave you. Well, let me just finish that screaming on a dinosaur's dish. Is that your standard? We did the reverse this time. You picked the longer one. I just have early time machines will have tended to leave you screaming on a dinosaur's dish. That is that is definitely my standout line of the song. I love the lyrics to the song because they're all slightly off in a fun way. Yeah. Like the line monkeys play Magellan. Usually when you think of that saying, it's like monkeys typing Shakespeare. So monkeys playing Magellan is kind of like a fun little offness about that. And also a statement about human beings playing Magellan. I, I like the lyrics to this song, but that one line. You like Magellan? I, I love I'm I'm gelling with Magellan. <laughs> Well, I think we're ready to move on to the final track, number 10, Our Name. theory about the three different movements 
makes a lot of sense with this last song i think i I think it's the only way you can take this last song yeah Uh, also a lot of the lyrics in this song are references to cloud dead songs not on this album but i mean as someone who's not as inundated into cloud dead what did you get out of out of this song i don't know if i really got too much out of it probably because i didn't really see i feel like if i were more attuned to cloud dead and and their other projects and having that knowledge that i have now like i almost feel like i need to go and listen to it again now that like i have this information you know what i mean well yeah there's a lot to this it's very dense first let me point out the line when pregnant she looked fat i just want to say this line would not hold up today (laughs) and i take issue with it i and i agree and i i understand where you're coming from but again unless i'm completely crazy in one of the earlier cloud dead releases and i promise never to get painted all my glasses again dose has a line where he says i wonder what my mother looked like pregnant and this is supposed to be just a response to that now it's a very crude way of looking at it but dose one also from an interview throw i've heard didn't have the best relationship with his mom anyways so that might just be some personal angst against his mother. And also it was 20 years ago. So exactly. Not that it not that that lets behaviors or attitudes slide, but things in life are not black and white <laughs> is my point. So the very like robotic sounding lyrics, along with a faint echoey stripped vocal, I feel like the intention of that was to put something very authentic next to something not so authentic yeah well and then the the lines that are being delivered there are the refrain and but maybe maybe that was to be like especially if this was like their last thing and they kind of knew that and see this is what i mean i need to listen to like given that information it's like well this is a different song then because now i'm thinking Okay, well, the intention of that is to be like, before we come, what we talk about in our first song of this album, we're done. (laughs) Like, this is it. Yeah, this song screams we're over, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) But I feel like that's the point is to be like, and the reason we're over is because we want to keep what Cloud Dead is and not eventually become what what the first song does well on that and also i mean i think on a personal note also that they wanted to do different things because you know there are three different guys who definitely overlapped to make some really incredible recordings but they also don't just do what's done on this album so i think it's just like well the only way we can keep cloud dead what it is is to not let it grow stale just do something else Otherwise, it's just making music as cloud dead just so we can say we're cloud dead is is nothing. Exactly. So exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this is why we're done because like this is run its course. It's it's almost like TV shows that end even when they're still like going strong because they're like, well, we don't want to become trash. Once you jump the shark, then it's like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. And I do think, in a way, this album is a culmination of everything they ever did as Cloud Dead in those circles, and it's just the perfect representation. And I think they were just like, we're going out on top. This is the the album we wanted to make, and then if we keep going any further. And for listeners who don't know, 
the refrain to this this song is what has our name become but a guilty pleasure and nose dom drums yeah that's, that's just screams the band's over this is the last song the, the you can go now the song does end with that droney vocal part for a while but then it does fade out and has a uh, a very nose dom who is of cloud dead and and a producer outside of cloud dead a very sound scapey kind of thing by him that's how the album ends more than just the the vocals fading out and then of course there's that secret song but yeah i don't know is there something else you wanted to say before we got into your favorite line uh no let's just jump right into my standout it was oh what has our name become a guilty pleasure and nose dumb drums <laughs> don't know what it means but i <laughs> literally i'm like i don't know well it- <laughs> but i I know the meaning from the song must lie behind it. So please elaborate. This is what I had written. Right. And and now, now, and now you've elaborated. And yeah. And it also goes along with with like, like I said, there's a sense of like the, the band is a little bit of a joke in the last few songs. And it's like a guilty joke they have. What has our name become but a guilty pleasure and nose dom drums? I would love to hear another Cloud Dead album. I mean, they've worked on stuff together, but never like a whole album as Cloud Dead since. I would love to hear an- another album them just because I love this so much, but I have to respect the way that they ended Cloud Dead is is so blatant. They're like, we're letting you know how and why we're, we're doing it. Yeah. But yeah, that's the best line in the song. I like the song. It's not one of the best. It's still a great song. But let's move on to the end. What? What did you want to say now that we've come to the whole end of everything? They really like their dead dog imagery, huh? They love it because I I didn't get a chance to point out because there's so much. There is also a themselves song, which themselves is Dose One, one of the rappers of Cloud Dead. There's a themselves song called Dead Cat Clear and Dead Cat Clear 2. There's a Why song, Why the Band, where I won't give the whole lyric, but the line is, if I really meant it, I'd embrace a dead pet. They're both big animal fans. I think at the time of recording this, they were vegetarian and had cats. Gotcha. They're animal people. So I, I think the death of those animals plays a place in their understandings of tragedy. They're also just good writers. and <laughs> Right. When you're a good writer, you know to look for universal truths and universal emotions and things that people can connect on. And there are a few things more universally sad than a dead dog. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or a dead cat. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mentioned this when we were talking about one of the tracks, but notably the second half of the album, instrumentally speaking, was a lot heavier and sadder for me. Yeah. And that's obviously intentional it's like especially now that that you've told me the like movements that you're hearing which i hear now that we've like talked about it more it's like yeah at the ending of something you know yeah definitely even if it's something good it's like it's sad to see anything end. going back to what you said very top of the conversation it's ugly and it's beautiful it's terrible and exactly. it's <laughs> it's beautiful but it's it's also just tragic at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Like everything in life. I was surprised at how much was packed into this album, honestly. Like there's a lot that gets covered. Yeah. And it's only 10 songs and none of the songs are really that long. No. So that's what I mean. Like you said, there, there's not really a line that's wasted. 
they don't waste a moment in this where it's like, there's just like everything. Right. And you would think that would make that a really intense thing to listen to, but off the podcast, you and I talked about this. It's a really good background noise album to have going on. Cause there were a couple of times when I was doing other things and I just had it on and it just was something that was like good background noise for me. That wasn't like overbearing, wasn't distracting, but also wasn't just something that completely fell away that it's like, oh, well, like I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like this was elevator music. (laughs) It's very much not elevator music. No. And I, I think that's something I've always appreciated is I think just like their lyrics, their music itself works in levels. If you're paying very close attention to it, there is so much going on. But if you step away from it, it creates a different way of enjoying it, like you were saying. And I think it's those different levels is what makes it so impressive. And like I said at the beginning, I now understand why it's one of your favorite albums because there it's a lot. I was I was tentative listening to it. I was like, it's gonna be like weird noises that I don't like. And some of it is. Some of it is, but it's it's much more than that. Yeah. On a scale of 10, I give this album <laughs> a 10. Oh, oh, gee. Well, now that I've made that cheesy joke and the final meaning of the, the album's name, yeah, it's a perfect 10. If someone liked this album, what would you suggest to them? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of its own thing. How do you how do you be like like we talked about with like the genre? You know what I mean? How do I? This is a you question because you've listened to it for 20 years. <laughs> well, I, I had some trouble because the obvious answer would be like, oh, go listen to any dose one or or any of his groups or go listen to why or any of his groups. And there is some of what you'll find here and that that you'll like, but they're also very different things. The other thing, when I first heard this, I don't see that comparison to it as much now. But when I first heard it, at the time, it reminded me of the gorillas. And I would say if you wanted the pop version of this, the gorillas might be a good answer. And then someone who I had listened to this album recently brought up a comparison that I hadn't ever saw before. But as soon as he did, I saw it. And I was, I would say if you wanted like the folky indie rock version of this, check out the beta band especially their re-release of their first three EPs. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a joke answer that I just thought of. Okay. Give us your joke answer. (laughs) Now you have to listen to Aeroplanes Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. (laughs) Oh, in the airplane over the sea? Yeah. I'd be willing to bet if someone liked this album, they'd at least appreciate that album. Right. But you understand the joke I'm making. Yeah. Airplanes and. Yeah. 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 Up in this clouds. Yeah. Well, was there anything you wanted to say before we signed off? There was. I'd say ominously. (laughs) Well, for anyone who's been paying attention, this is episode 20 of New Year's, and this should be closing out season one of New Year's. So I'm going to spin it on the host. Oh, what? Uh Uh-huh. And I have some questions for you. Okay. Okay. Do any of them make me look terrible if I answer them? <laughs> what kind of questions do you think I'm going to ask? I don't know. I don't what, know. What was the most regretful thing you did in your life? No, no, it's related to season one of New Year's. Uh huh. So, question one 
which album or song took you most by surprise this season would you say well what do you mean by surprise whatever you you take that as it could be a positive surprise it could be a negative surprise like you could be like i was expecting to enjoy this or expecting this to be of higher quality and then it just didn't reach my expectations or oh i never really heard of this or i had kind of heard of it but didn't think much of it until i actually listened to it with with the new ears and really took the time to break it down and now i appreciate it a lot more and i was very surprised at how strong of a song or album as a whole it actually was for the most part i would argue that everything i listened to surprised me everything even with albums i thought i experienced everything on i learned new things but i would still think the most surprised i was by the album at all was war babies by hollow notes and one of the more recent ones just because i knew hollow notes and liked hollow notes growing up and uh, i knew them from their 80s hits and and i was warned it wasn't going to be like any hollow notes album i i knew and so I didn't know what to take for it all. And I was like, well, this is, it just caught me the most off guard, I guess. Uh, I suppose the, uh, the person asking the question would like me to say Taylor Swift, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> that wasn't the I, point I was, of this, I, but I also was musically pleasantly surprised by the Taylor Swift album when I actually sat and listened to it, <gasps> but there are still things that like, didn't surprise me about it at all. If that makes sense. It does. Question two. What albums do you wish you'd gotten to this season? Are any of those open for possibility for a season two, whenever that may be in the future? Uh, there are so many albums. I figured there were so many. I know that's a really open question, but like, what are the top ones? Just to give people an idea. So if they're listening to this episode you know maybe they're like well i'd like to talk about that album things change so i don't even know if i'll ever talk about this album but one album i very much wanted to talk about this season and would be just self-indulgent if i did anyways and still might someday in the future was the third Joan of arc album because it redefined everything for me like cloud dead's 10 uh, the third Joan of arc album is that important to me but i probably will not do that if there's a second season I will, however, try to do the self-titled Owls album for anyone that that would the first Owls album. So that would be something, something I definitely am going to do if there if there's a second season is Paul Simon's Graceland. I'd be interested in that. (laughs) Very, very, very important album. And then the third album that I did, the reason I haven't guaranteed I'm doing this is because I'm just not sure how I would tackle it yet would be black foliage by olivia trimmer control Mm, yeah that would be yeah what do you do with a track that's four seconds long quite an undertaking like if an album has several tracks under 30 seconds long that are instrumental it's hard to figure out how to do in the current but that that kind of uh ties into to be of my questions Uh what genres did you wish to have seen more of and are there other genres that you'd like to explore more in a potential season too? Cause that's kind of not, not necessarily a genre, but instrumentation or instrumental 
albums are a thing and how do you tackle that when you're looking at the art of an album instrumental albums are something i've wondered about in this process and i don't know if i am prepared to do an instrumental yet as far as genres is i would love everybody has their blind spots and i i know what i know and the people who i can get to come on know what they know and sometimes we our blind spots are different but I think even within all the people I've had on the show, there's been blind spots and stuff. I, I wouldn't know. And I wouldn't be like, I mean, I've had a, one guest that would, but just for a random example, I'd love for some, somebody who knows a shit ton to be like, this is the best reggae album ever made. We need to talk about it. It is an album. And like reggae is just an example. I don't That'd know. Cool. <laughs> I don't know that much about dubstep. I'd love for someone to be like this dubstep means everything. And here's why. And then I also want to be able to talk about the albums that I know and love, too. I like both sides of that. So, yeah. Well, like I mentioned to you off mic before, I have a friend that would talk Celtic music with you. (laughs) Yeah, that would be interesting because, I mean, I know some, but I'm no expert on Celtic music at all. Nor am I. So I would definitely listen to that episode because I (laughs) very little knowledge on that. Okay, last question. So... With the process of the last 20 episodes of picking an album, dissecting it, discussing it with with someone else, what patterns did you see with this, if any? For example, did you learn anything about listeners and their experience with albums? Do you think there's still, you know, I think a big part of the purpose of your show is to talk about the validity of albums which we've sort of lost throughout the last so many years that people just want access to like individual songs and people don't really look at projects as a whole as much anymore so do you think there's anything like like basically I'm asking what kind of takeaways do you have about people and their experience with albums well can I be self-indulgent for a moment always (laughs) thanks I am a huge fan of the uh, the album, obviously. Yeah. One of my biggest things in this is it makes me curious how I'm not saying pe- there are people that definitely make like albums now, but how do albums become back into the norm? Because it feels like in a time in history, more people were focused on the album than they are now. But also when you think about the history of recorded music, it didn't start with albums. I mean, earlier people were dropping 45s with one song on each side. and they just You're t- talking about Gregarian chants, right? Well, yes. And <laughs> all, all kinds of stuff. That, I mean, the history of recorded music has, it can be seen kind of cyclically. So right now the album's out, but I'm wondering what form it next takes. And I think a lot of people are probably like, oh, like social media campaign or whatever. <laughs> but um, TikToks. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I don't know. It's I've learned a lot from doing this. I think it leaves me with more questions than it does answers, though, which is good. You should want to have questions. Yeah. Sorry if I I thought it would be better to just ask the questions so that it's just fresh off off the cuff. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of like, you know, telling you, oh, I'll have these questions for you. I thought, what's a better way to end the season than some reflection yeah no thank you yeah looking at the art of the album because that's that's what this whole podcast was about so I think it's good to reflect on that a little bit because I it I want to say thank you for doing this show because it's you know I don't think as someone who 
definitely does appreciate having albums as a whole and projects as a whole rather than just individual songs, you know, and we don't get that as much these days, or at least there's just not as much of an emphasis. Like you said, it's kind of going out the door. It's still here, but it's making its way out. I appreciate you taking the time to look more into that and acknowledge that there is artistic integrity in that. And just also like expanding my horizons on music, not only just in the albums you had me listen to for our episodes, but listening to other albums for the episodes you did with other people. It was just cool. So hopefully there's a season two sometime soon. Yeah, well, that we'll see about that. But thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for joining me on three of these episodes. If there is a season two, you will definitely be back, obviously. With more Taylor Swift, right? Uh, We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking about one of my favorite albums with me today. Thanks for letting me. That brings us to the end of not only another episode, but for right now, New Year's itself. The show will be going on an indefinite hiatus. We do hope to return someday, because there's plenty of albums that we haven't gotten to. But for now, we hope that you've enjoyed these 20 episodes, and that you will go back and listen to them and tell someone else. You know, if we get more support, we'd be more than happy to bring new episodes. Uh, To come to a close, I would like to thank Sarah Mulrow and Nathan Whiteside for some assistance in editing, and I want to thank everyone who's listened, whether it was just to one episode or to most of them. It's been a real joy, and we still have our social media accounts open, we still have our email, you can find that in the show description. Reach out and let us know if you want more, because we'd like the chance to make more. So thanks again, and be good and stay safe. Scott Network, a loose affiliation of podcasts for media arts creators and connoisseurs. For more information, follow us on Twitter at AbandonMasco1. That's Abandon, M-A-S-C-O, and the number one. Thanks for listening.